The second thing I wanted to mention was a little bit of a disclaimer. Uh, Sounds like I'm about to do a political ad or something, right? Or a medication ad with your disclaimer. You know how they give that quick list of things that you can't really understand, but they're all horrible. Uh, It's not horrible, but I just wanted to make sure that we're on the same page as I uh, jump into this conversation with you this morning, because I'm going to use this term that can be misconstrued. Uh, because of culturally uh, the things going on, uh, one of the things that can be misconstrued is this word balance that I'm going to throw out a lot today. And when I say that word, I just don't want you to think of like mysticism or, uh, or you know, finding the right chi or the right yin and yang. That's not what we're talking about when I say this word balance, okay? Uh, we're not talking about self-help. You know, if you find just the right balance in your life, you won't need God anymore. No, that's not at all what we're talking about. And so I just want to put that out there. When I say balance, what we're talking about rather is a God-honoring tension and walking in a way that honors Him. And we'll be talking about that some more. But just wanted to throw that out there. When I say that word, take it in the right context, please, okay? So as we jump into this, I thought it'd be great for us to just pray together. Uh, we're going to be talking about finances, and this is kind of a murky area. So just want to stop and pray and say, God, would you lead us through this conversation? So if you wouldn't mind just bowing your heads one more time and, and praying with me. And while you're quiet there, just if you wouldn't mind just praying yourself, just... Uh, If you wouldn't mind just praying silently where you are, that God would speak to you this morning. God, thank you that you hear these prayers. Thank you that you are here with us, that you're everywhere. And as we open your word, and as we have this conversation today, I just pray that you would bring truth. God, that you would remind us of your goodness and your grace through your word in all areas of our lives, and in particular as we look at this area of finances, I just pray that you would give us wisdom and grace. Thank you. Amen. Well, money makes us fall. Money can make us fall into a ditch of overspending and debt, of, of being foolish with our money, or money can make us fall into a ditch of, of believing that if we hold tightly to what we've been given that that will save us ultimately, that we can have security and meaning and purpose inside of the finances that God has blessed us with. Speaking of falling, that's a good way to start a sentence, right? Speaking of falling, uh, I was thinking about a, uh, a time in my life where I was working with my uncle. My uncle was a construction worker and I, through college I worked with him doing construction and landscaping. There was this one house that we were working on, a cottage, beautiful cottage down by a creek. And because it was beside a creek, what they had to do was they built the foundation up so that the first floor was probably about chest height, okay? So picture with me, there's this house that we're working on, this building site. The first floor of this two-story cottage is about here. And what that meant was to, to, to build and to do the things that we were doing, we had to run a plank. And this plank was, was for us to get all our building materials and supplies up and in and out of the house every day. And so I'd spent a lot of time on this plank. This plank was about a foot wide, and it was probably about, I don't know, probably about 20 foot long, okay? So picture that with me. We've got this plank that we're using each and every day. Well, one morning, I was probably half asleep, arrived at the work, work site. You know, my uncle had us out there early. And, uh, and this morning, I didn't realize it, but there'd been a really heavy fog, and there was a lot of dew on the ground that morning, and that plank was soaking wet. 
It wasn't just a little bit wet. It was like dripping wet. And so I went over and my job was to go over and mix up the first batch of concrete for the day, right? So I go and mix up this wheelbarrow of concrete and I, actually, I remember thinking, man, I overfilled this barrow. It's kind of a little bit full, but it's okay. So as I'm walking, I'm trying to not let it slop out the sides. Well, I get around to my normal, you know, run-up spot because I've done this many times, get this wheelbarrow and start running, like literally running at the, at the plank as I always did. And I hit it and I work, went up and up and up and I got within like inches I mean literally inches of the end of this thing and I lost traction right this wet plank was no good and my boots started to just slip and spin and I'm spinning there on this plank going this is not good you know I've got this heavy barrel I'm thinking I'm about to die right so I'm up about four foot in the air with this thing trying to to balance it I'm like all right what do I do I'll, I'll just lock my feet and I'll yell and somebody will come and help me. Well, I locked my feet in place. Uh, you know, I stopped moving them. And they still slid. The weight of the concrete was bearing down on me. And what happened next would have definitely made, you know, America's Funniest Home Videos or at least Australia's Funniest Home Videos uh, if, if somebody had recorded it. Because what happened next was I locked my feet in position. I've got this huge wheelbarrow full of concrete. And the weight of it literally pushed me all the way down this plank. Like all the way down. And I'm like, okay, I'm about to fall, I'm about to fall. Never fell until I got to the very bottom, at which point I jumped and bailed around and, and caught the wheelbarrow and slopped some of it on the ground. And I was like, that was awesome. That was probably the best moment of balance in my entire life that I've ever had, right? Nobody saw it. It's kind of sad, but I got to tell you today. The reason I tell you that is because life is full of moments and things that we have to balance. And it's hard for us not to fall in ditches when it comes to life. Think about it with me. In your parenting, if you're a parent, you have to walk in a balance, right? There's a balance between disciplining your child, which they need, and also giving them grace. If you go too far either way, your kids are probably going to end up a little messed up, okay? So you've got to find a balance in that. When it comes to the area of work, if you work too much, your family's not going to know who you are. You'll walk in the house and they'll be like, who's the stranger in our home? You know, that's not good. But if you work too little, you won't have food on the table to eat. You've got to find a balance in that. Much in the same way, you've got to find balance in friendships. If you want to have friends, you've got to love and care for people, right? You love and care for them, but if you love and care for them too much, you're going to smother them. And they're going to be like, uh, I don't want to be your friend anymore. I'm done with this, right? There's a balance in all of these things. And this is particularly true in the area of our finances. If you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to do that inside your listening guide. The first fill in the blank you have there this morning is this. It is important to find a God-honoring balance in our finances. We know that finances are important, okay? Jesus, we talked about this last week, Jesus talked a lot about, about finances, I got to thinking about that this week. I'm like, that's kind of strange. Was, was that because Jesus was this guy who was trying to amass wealth for himself? You know, was he like, uh, you know, one of those guys who's like, hey, you know, you need to be good with money, so give it to me. No, if you look through the Gospels, if you look through the accounts of, of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these are written by people who are very close to Jesus. We don't get that picture at all. Jesus wasn't a guy who was trying to amass wealth. So why then was he talking so much about money? 
Why was it something that he was constantly addressing and readdressing? Well, I believe, like we talked about last week, it's because he knows how drastically money affects our hearts. How strong of a pull money, this area of finances, has on our hearts and in our lives. And that's why it's important for us to talk about it today. I want to start us out today talking about this idea of balance and talking about how I believe there is a heart posture that is God-honoring. And I want to take you to a scripture right here at the start that's going to be our key scripture today that really talks about a balance. It talks about finding a God-honoring posture when it comes to God's provision for us and this area of finances. So I want to ask you guys to jump into the Bible. Find a, a Bible if you don't have one. There should be one in the seats near you. Proverbs 30 is where we're going to find ourselves. Proverbs chapter 30. As you're turning there, just a little bit on this. This, this section of, of the Bible, Proverbs 30, is written and it's, it's called, it's titled, Sayings of King Agur. And we're going to look at verse 7 specifically, which is a prayer that this king is writing. It's a prayer to God. As you look in this first sentence, you'll see that he, he addresses you. He uses this word you and it's capital Y. We know he's talking to God. So Proverbs chapter 30, verse 7, let's read it together. Two things I ask of you, don't deny them to me before I die. Keep falsehood and deceitful words far from me. Give me neither poverty nor wealth. Feed me the food I need. Otherwise, I might have too much and deny you, saying, who is the Lord? Or I might have nothing and still profaning the name of my God. Isn't that a beautiful prayer? I think that's a beautiful prayer and I think it's a great place for us to start this conversation today because as we, as we look at this, if we're to dissect this prayer and look at it, there's two parts to it, right? The first part of it is this prayer saying, hey God, please don't give me too much. He's asking, please, I don't, I don't want to have too much in my life. I feel like this would be an appropriate prayer for us because we live in the Western world in the 21st century, right? We live in a very comfortable time and we live in a very comfortable place for the most part. We're very well provided for. But I find it interesting to think that there was a struggle with comfort way back when. I mean, think about this. This, this scripture was written hundreds of years before Jesus was even on the scene, right? So this is thousands of years ago. This idea of, of getting comfortable and forgetting God is not a new problem. This is actually an ancient problem, one that has plagued humanity for a long, long time. I want to show you that by turning to an even older scripture, one that's found in Deuteronomy chapter 8. You don't have to turn there, it'll be on the screen. We're going to read part of chapter 8, verse 11 is where we're going to start. And this scripture is Moses talking to, to God's chosen people, the people of Israel. And he says this, Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his command, the ordinances and statues I'm giving you today. Listen to this. When you eat and are full and build beautiful houses to live in and your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold multiply and everything else you have increases, be careful that your heart doesn't become proud and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. You may say to yourself, my power and my own ability have gained this wealth for me. But remember that the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth in order to confirm his covenant he swore to your fathers as it is today. 
This is an old scripture describing an old problem that we all struggle with. In that when we have too much, we have this tendency to not be dependent on God, not be needy for God. But that's only half of the prayer, right? The other half of the prayer says this. It says, God, please don't give me too little so I dishonor and profane your name by needing to steal. So the second part of the prayer is, is, is a prayer saying, hey God, please don't give me too little. Think about this with me. This guy is saying, hey God, I just want to let you know that for me and my family, like I know I'm not meant to steal. That's one of the Ten Commandments, right? You think about it. Exodus 20 Verse 15, it's one of the Ten Commandments. It says, do not steal. He says, I understand that, God. I understand that that's your law. But if we don't have enough food on the table, I'm going to steal to provide for my family. So please don't put us in that situation. Would you please provide enough for us? That's not the situation that we find ourselves in. That's not the dilemma that we find ourselves in. Sounds a little bit like another prayer that you and I are probably very familiar with. The Lord's Prayer, right? Uh, there's one version of the Lord's Prayer found in Matthew 6. says, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed or honored be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily... Very good. You guys are still awake. Awesome. Uh, give us this day our daily bread. God, would you please provide for us? That's not a bad prayer. That's how God instructed his disciples how to pray. But... As we look at this beautiful prayer, as we look at this prayer that, that King Agur has, has scripted and think about the question, is this how I pray? I think I pray the second part of the prayer a lot of the time. I don't pray the first. If I'm honest with you guys here today, I'm not very often praying, hey God, please don't give me too much. God, don't overwhelm me with just blessing me financially or providing too much for me. That's not something that comes off my lips or out of my heart very often. But the other side of the prayer does come out of my life a lot. Like, God, I need this. God, I want this. God, would you please give me this? Would you please provide this? Like, that's pretty common. And so I believe that a lot of you are probably like me in that. And, and that means that we probably should continue on in this conversation, which means that we need to ask the question, how do we find this same Christ-honoring, this God-honoring balance in our finances? Because when it comes to the area of finances, God blesses us with stuff, right? I mean, whether it's little or much, God provides for us in our lives. And it seems to me that there's this constant war, this constant battle inside of us to decide, okay, am I going to keep and hold on to what God has given me? Or am I going to spend it? Am I going to get rid of it? Whether that be in a good way or a bad way, right? There's this constant war going on between these two things. And so I think essentially the question we need to ask here to the, this morning is this. How do we hold both generosity and wisdom in the same hand? How do we hold those things in the right God-honoring tension? And as I got to thinking about that and praying about that this last couple of weeks, I thought to myself, you know, essentially I'm preaching two sermons in one here today because there's two type of, types of people here in this room. And I want to just take some moments to, to, to articulate that for a second because I believe that all of us have a leaning towards one of these two categories that we're going to discuss. Now, that doesn't mean that you're fully one and not the other, but it does mean that all of us have a, a leaning, a tendency, you know, at least 49% to 51% on the other, okay? And so I want to articulate this in this conversation and say, okay, if these are the ditches, how do we find a God-honoring tension 
in, and, and, and the balance in all of this. So the first group that some of us in this room fall into today is the negligent. It's not a real positive word, is it? I, I'm going to tell you the other one's not very positive either, okay? So all of us struggle with one of these things. The first word is negligent. And I'm going to describe for you an extreme example of what this looks like. This may not describe you, but you'll get the idea by me describing it in this way. For the negligent, you're someone who is caught up in a world of debt and spending and overspending. In a world of instant gratification, buying what you can't pay for. As Nick said very well last week and has been said before, using money you don't have to pay for things that you can't afford to impress people that you don't even like, right? It's well said. Uh, you're the type of person who's not thinking, not planning, not budgeting, because for you, ignorance is bliss. Making unwise decision on top of unwise decision and creating compounding problems in your life. And essentially what we're trying to say here is your money, you don't have control of your money, your money has control of you. If this is what you struggle with, if you're negligent, And as we look to the Bible, as we look to God's word for wisdom, there was this guy, a preacher, an apostle, an amazing man, who was discipling up this young protege of his. And he understood that money could have this allure, this allure to be negligent, to this allure to not be uh, content with what God has given us. And so he wrote to this, this young disciple of his, Timothy, the guy was Paul, he wrote to Timothy, and we find in, in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, this is said, it's going to be on the screen again, but godliness with contentment is a great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But for those who want to be rich, they fall into, a temp- into temptation, a trap, And many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Paul's saying, hey, be careful, buddy. You've got to be careful. You've got to understand that that if you uh, are uncontent, if you're always looking for more, that's that's a slippery road to go down. And this road of negligence is a slippery, it's a bad ditch to fall into. But just as bad on the other side of the plank, if you would, is this other ditch of stinginess. That's the second category that we can either lean towards. So you either lean towards being negligent or stingy. Moment of confession here. I lean towards the second category. I won't even say the word stingy. That sounds bad, right? No, I I lean towards being stingy, if I'm to be honest with you guys today, of these two things. Let me describe to you what this looks like when it has full control in our lives. If you're stingy, you struggle with being frugal to a fault. Best way I can describe it is to think of the Scrooge from the Christmas Carol, right? You're ungiving and essentially you're fearful of what might happen if you let go of the death grip that you have on the finances that God has provided you with. There's fear operating in your life. Paul, again, gives us some wisdom as he's writing to some friends in a church in a town called Corinth in this city. And he, and he says to them, hey guys, I want, I want to give you some insight on this area of stinginess. 
And you find that in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. It says this, Remember this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. If you're stingy, you struggle with this. You struggle because when you give, it's more of, I ought to do this, or this is the right thing to do, not out of a joyful and thankful heart for the way that God has provided for us. And so this kind of, this thinking about, okay, these are the two ditches. How do we even end up leaning towards one of these? I started to think about that. And as I was thinking about that, I was like, okay, first and foremost, God's created us each uniquely and differently. And in that process, he's wired us a certain way. Some of us are very free-spirited, right? And we're so free-spirited in all of our life that we're also free-spirited in our money. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. We'll talk about that in a second. But we're free-spirited and that leads us to be free-spirited with our money. We may be negligent. That's just one example. Another example is you may be very calculated. That's the way that God wired you. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but you're so calculated that, you know, when you go to dinner, you're already adding up the bill before you've even ordered your meal right? And, and, and so you're, you're thinking through all of these things, and, 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 and that's just the way that God wired you. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's the way that God wired you. Also, the other thing that plays into it, or a couple of other things that play into it, is our experiences. Say, for example, we just did tax season, right? We had tax day, woo! Uh, and, and on tax day, let's say that you, for whatever reason, didn't withhold the right amount of money, and you owed the government a lot of money. If you had a really bad experience like that, like I've had several friends be in that boat before, that could change you from being a negligent person to being a stingy person because you had an experience which led you to be like, okay, I've got to be smart. I've got to get this in order. I've got to get this figured out. So experiences play into it. Also, our hopes and our fears play into it. So if I'm hopeful that the things in my life that I'm experiencing and buying and all of that is going to bring me happiness... You know, that next thing that I want, whatever it be, is, fill in the blank there. If, if I'm thinking like that all the time, that's going to lead me towards being negligent. But if I'm fearful, I'm going to lean towards being more on the stingy end of things, right? I'm going to be thinking, okay, I need to have enough saved and then some to be okay. So our hopes and our fears play into this. But ultimately, it's our selfishness that makes us stingy and not just our selfishness it's our denial of the fact that God is good and that he is in control of our lives so great you're thinking awesome Harley thank you for coming along and putting me in a box this morning I feel very affirmed by being put in a box anybody else hate being put in a box I hate being put in a box so I've just said everybody here in this room is either leaning towards being negligent or stingy And those words just don't have good connotations, right? But I've got some good news. There is actually some some grace and some goodness in this. Because when we're able to live in a balance and say, God, all my life is yours, including this area of my finances, all my life is yours, would you help me to walk in a balance? When we're able to do that, when we're able to look at him for, for his wisdom, for his grace, for his leadership in our lives, I believe that our stinginess or our negligence is redeemable. There's good news to be said here. 
It's redeemable in that, let me give you some examples. For example, uh, it's redeemable in that God can take somebody who is stingy and as they come before him and say, hey God, I want to honor you with all of my life, including my finances, as they come in front of him, he's going to start to work in their lives and chip away at their hearts and help them to not just be uh, balanced out with some generosity, but they're still going to be a good saver. They're still going to know that that's redeemable, right? This fact that they lean towards being calculated and and being a savior and being a wise steward, that's all still in them. That's how God's wired them. And that's a good thing because they'll be able to be planned out. Those are the sort of people that say, hey, you know, there's this missionary that I'm going to support and I'm going to, you know, put aside this amount of money every month and we're going to support them. We're going to be praying for them. That's just one example. I'll show you how the, the, the negligence is redeemable also. So let's say that you lean towards just being a spender and, and, and being not very uh, careful with your money. If you find this God-honoring balance, if you look at him and say, Hey, God, all of my life is yours, including my finances. Would you help me find balance? And as he starts to bring that balance in your life, he's going to show you how to get out of debt, how to be wise with your money, how to um, make wise decisions. You're still going to be incredibly generous. That's naturally wired into you, and that's awesome. God's able to use that and redeem that in your life. So when I say these words, negligent or stingy, I don't want you to hear just negativity. Know that God is able to use the way that he's created you and the experiences in your life for his name and for his glory. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about the postures that we have when it comes to this area of finances. Think about it with me. If, you, if you're negligent, it's like a hand that's always like just not really careful. It's just giving away money. Money's just going out the door all the time. That's the posture. If you're stingy, you're like this, right? White knuckle, death grip on the finances that God's given you. And essentially, all that we're talking about today is as we look at God, this is the posture that he wants. An open hand in front of him saying, God, all I have is yours including my finances. I was thinking, okay, is there a story that captures all of this? Is there a story that kind of tells of what we're talking about today? And I, was, I wasn't actually thinking about Bible stories in particular, but a story from the Bible came to mind. And it was actually a story that's not used very often when it comes to finances, a story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 15. And it's a story that you probably know well. It's, it's the parable of the lost sons. Now, some people would call that the parable of the lost son, but there was two sons in the story, and we're going to talk about both of them here this morning. I'm not going to read the whole story to you, but I'm going to give, it, give you the, the Cliff Notes version because I want you to see how this all boils down. So Jesus told this story. There was a father, and he had two sons. The first son comes to him and says, Hey, father, dad, I want, I want my inheritance now. Essentially, what he's saying is, Dad, I wish you were dead because I want your money. That's pretty harsh, but it's true. That's what he was saying. For whatever reason, the father isn't so offended that he gives up. He actually says, okay. And so he probably had to go and sell off some of his property so that he could give his son half of, his, the, half of the inheritance that was owed to him. And this son takes the money and leaves for a distant land. That's what we're told. And goes and spends this money, squanders is the word that's used, this money on wild living. And right about the time that the money runs out, a famine hits the land, and this son finds himself feeding pigs, looking at the food, thinking, man, that food looks good. 
And, and, and in this moment, he finally comes to a realization and says, my dad's servants are fed better than this. Maybe I can go home and just be a servant in his house. That would be a much better situation. And so he trudges off home. He makes the long journey home. Well, while he's a long way off, his father sees him, right? This is the part you guys all know. The father sees him and runs towards him and embraces the son and says, Son, it's so good to see you. Now the son kind of is a bit standoffish because he's got his speech ready, right? He's like, Father, I've sinned against God and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Would I please be allowed to just be a servant in your house? And the father's like, what are you talking about? You're my son. Don't be ridiculous. Look, here's the family ring. Puts it on his finger, takes his robe, puts it around his son and says, son, come on in. Let's go celebrate. You've returned. You're back. This is good. And they go and they kill the fatted calf to eat and to party together, right? But the story doesn't end there. Because the very shrewd, the very wise, the very frugal next son comes on the scene, right? He's so smart that he figures out something's going on before he even gets to the house. He hears the party and calls one of the servants. He says, hey, 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 come over here. What on earth's going on in there? I hear this party, I hear this music and this celebrating. What's going on? And the servant says, haven't you heard? Your brother uh, who's been gone, he's come back and your dad's killed the fatted calf. They're having a party. And the son is furious. He's so angry. And so the servant goes back in, gets the dad. The dad comes back out to talk to the son. And the son says, the second son says to the father, what in the world, dad? I've been working. I've been slaving for you here this whole time. And you've never even given me a goat to go and eat with my friends, to have a party with my friend. And here this this son of yours who squandered all your money on prostitutes, he doesn't hold back, on prostitutes, here he is, and you've, you've killed the fatted calf for him, and you're celebrating. What's going on? And the father says, son, all that I have is yours. But this, this brother of yours was lost, and now he's found. Won't you come and celebrate with us? And the story ends. And the reason I tell you this story is because the lost son is a perfect textbook example of the two hearts that we're talking about today. Think about it with me. The first son fell in the ditch of being negligent. He was a textbook example of somebody with a negligent heart, right? He went off to a distant land and squandered the father's money. He was all about the thrill of the moment and spending That's all that he was about. But the second son was also a textbook example. The second son gave us an example of of what it looked like to be stingy. All he was thinking about, all he treasured, was what he was owed and what he deserved. He was probably angry because this son's back on the scene and he's thinking, okay, is my inheritance going to get split in half again because this son's back around again, my brother's back around again? That was probably what was going through his head. And the problem here is that neither of these sons understood what the father wanted. And you've got to hear this today. They were chasing after the father's stuff and not the father's heart. And that's the problem that we have too. Whether you're negligent, whether you're stingy, that's the problem that we have. 
We're not chasing after God, we're chasing after his stuff a lot of the time. And that's what leads us to these ditches that we fall into. Because the truth is, we're talking about finances. I could get up here today and say, hey guys, if you're negligent, if you're overspending, don't. That's bad, right? And here's some Bible verses. Here's some curriculum about how to get out of debt. Go do a better job. Or if you're stingy, I could be like, bad, bad, stingy, don't do that. What you need to do is read these Bible verses and be generous. Be a cheerful giver. Go on, do it. But that's not what I want to do here today. That would be a huge error for you to walk out thinking that that's essentially what this message was about today. This message is about the Father heart of God. Because I believe that when you look at the Father, when you have your eyes fixed on Him, the other things fall into balance. Your last fill in the blank there this morning is this. Balance is found in looking at and loving the Father. Think about the, go back to the plank with me, right? Imagine with me, you've got the plank of, you know, finding financial balance and you've got this ditch of negligence, you've got this ditch of stinginess and you're trying to walk along this plank, right? The best way to not be negligent is not to say, oh, I need to be a better saver. That's not going to help you find balance. Or if you think of it the other way, if you're, if you're stingy, you know, struggle with that. Oh, I need to be more generous. No, what you need to do is look where you're going. I've been teaching my son this week how to ride his bike. It's been really exciting to watch him progress with that. Uh, every time he's getting better. But when he, we first got him out there, one of the things he struggled with was getting excited and looking down at the front wheel, right? He's like, oh, I'm riding. This is awesome. And when he does that, he starts to look down. You know, he starts to get the death wobbles and it's back and forth and he's about to crash and there's tears and all that sort of fun stuff. So uh, I, one of the things that I sound like a broken record right now out in, in front of our house is keep your chin up, look ahead. I say that over and over and over. Look where you're going. And all that I want to say to you guys today is not don't be negligent or don't be stingy. What I want to say to you is look at God. Look at the Father heart of God. And as you do that, allow his Holy Spirit to bring conviction in the areas of your life that he needs to. Because that's who God is. That's what he does in our lives. God saved us, right? We know that. We look at the scriptures. We look at the story of the Bible. And it very clearly tells us that God sent his son to save us and redeem us from every area in our life. All our shortcomings, including our shortcomings in the area of finances. And because of that, I believe we should worship him. We should love him. We should look at him and adore him. And all I want to say to you today is as you do that, allow his Holy Spirit to bring conviction in the areas of your life that he needs to. Because I believe that as you fix your eyes on him, as you love the heart of the father, unlike those two sons who just wanted the stuff that the father had to offer, as you love the father heart of God, he's going to bring a God-honoring balance in every area of your life, including your finances. And so maybe even today the Holy Spirit's been convicting you, hey, I really do want to work on this area of generosity in your life. Hey, I really do want you to make some wiser decisions with your finances. But let God do that work in your life. This is not a self-help talk today. This is a God-help talk today. And so I just want to point you back and say, as we try and find this God-honoring tension, like the king that we started out in Proverbs 30, God, don't give me too much, don't give me too little. 
that you would look at God and he would help you find that balance today. I want to do something a little different as we close today. I'm going to ask you in a second to close your eyes and and I'm going to read a scripture over you that I just love. This scripture just talks to God's provision and grace in our lives. And so I'm going to read this scripture over you and then I'm going to pray to kind of close out this time and I'll give you some instructions after that. But I just want you to really let the words of this psalm sink into you. This is a psalm I grew up hearing in my home. It was one of my parents' favorite psalms, probably still is, and uh, it's one of my favorites too. So just close your eyes and listen to Psalms 23 as I read it over you. Let these words impact your heart. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I lack. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along right paths for his namesake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. God, thank you that you are our shepherd and there is nothing that we lack. God, I pray that we would find peace in the place that you've you have us today. God, that you, we would find contentment. God, that we would find a God-honoring tension and balance in our lives in all areas. God, it seems that many areas of our life, it, this, there's this tightrope thing going back, back and forth where we're trying to, to balance and juggle all that's going on. And sometimes we get so fixated on what we're doing wrong or on what we're doing right and how awesome we are. And yet the reality is we need to turn our eyes to you because when we look at you, you bring balance, you bring uh, direction, you bring vision in our life. And so God, I just pray that every heart here this morning would be turned towards you, towards your loving Father heart. God, I just pray that as we do that, you would bring conviction and healing and and direction in our lives. Thank you that you are a God who redeems. You're a God who restores. You're a God who heals. Thank you that you love us. God, I pray that as we finish up this morning, there'll be a celebration in here of your grace and your goodness to us. Not a con- just a condemnation about the things that we're doing wrong. God, we pray for freedom and liberty here as we celebrate your goodness and your grace and your love in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Amen.